Hi guys, welcome to our podcast called Klartext by Steph and Ria. If you are new to our podcast, we are two women in our mid-30s working in tech and we love to deep dive in all sorts of questions on how to make professional and personal life better. Our podcast actually grew out of hours-long conversations on a chat app and at some point we just thought, why not sharing this with the rest of you? My name is Stephanie and I'm very much passionate about developing businesses and people. And I'm Ria, um, I'm a startup founder and together with Steph, I have 40 years of experience in big corporate scale-ups and startups. And today's podcast, uh, I could not be more excited about it because it is about being a founder and what it takes to be a founder. Um, you may as well have found our podcast because you're right now literally thinking about the decision to start something for yourself, becoming a founder yourself, or you already are a founder of a business and a tech startup and you wanted to just find out what other founders are um, thinking about these days as well. So you definitely have come to the right place. Right. Okay, before we start, uh, I just wanted to make sure we're talking um, about founder of a startup as opposed to any founder or an entrepreneur. So there is a difference and the key difference is when you Uh, working uh, on a new idea, something that never existed before. This is what we call startup. If you're working on um, uh, something that was done before and there is no innovation involved, for example, you want to found a new um, cafe or a bar, <laughs> uh, which sort of you have a template how to do that. You just get a loan on the bank and do this. It's still risky. You're still an entrepreneur but it's not a startup. So we will be talking mostly about startup founders, but a lot will apply to entrepreneurs as well. Very cool. I'm so excited. And I probably have quite some questions to ask in between. I hope so. <laughs> All right. Should I, should I kick it off? Yeah, I'm really <laughs> dying, dying to hear, to hear some of your insights and especially, you know, knowing that you've been considering to become a founder for quite some time and you really did your due diligence. Uh, it's for me so interesting to know some of your things, like what would you have liked to know before? What, have you, uh, what would you tell your younger self now if you had known it now and these kind of things? But I know that you have also prepared a little bit, so I would love for you to just kick things off and then maybe we can take my questions later. Absolutely. Um, but uh, to start with, um, probably, yeah, I should tell a, a little bit of a background story. I always wanted to uh, be an entrepreneur and I started somewhat really late after uh, working um, for large companies and scale-ups for years and years. Um, so it's kind of, it's not an unusual journey. They actually find out that a lot of entrepreneurs start in the 30s because it's really hard to start in your 20s. Uh, you don't have network, you don't have financial means to do that. Uh, but in my, in my story, I actually, I planned it, um, I mean, for many, many years, I had this in my head. I always think, okay, I want to start um, working on my company, but I'm somewhat a person who likes planning. Um, so I don't do anything on the whim, <laughs> like, let's just start tomorrow. I started working for a big company. So we both, Steph and, and myself, we met at Google, uh, where we've been working for almost, I've been there for almost eight years. And uh, then I knew that I need experience in a smaller company because otherwise I just can't start something which I haven't experienced before. So I joined the scale up, which was growing really um, quickly. 
And then I joined a startup that also became scale-up. So I was going from a big company, it's like a funnel, and ended up in a company of 100 that became a company of 300. Um, and uh, at that, I left to create a co-founder company with a co-founder. Uh, why I thought it was the right moment for me. I know it probably was your question. Probably, yes, yeah. <laughs> when uh, was the right moment? You said, okay, now it's the right time. Now is the right time. Yeah, for me, a um, few things. And I think it might be useful for, for uh, a lot of people who are considering it. For, first, financial stability, right? You need to make sure you are, when you're planning, and again, we had another podcast, if you want to listen to on a planning fallacy before. So when you plan anything, nothing goes according to the plan. So you need this um, uh, sort of, um, um, I don't know, you create your cash pillow. So, <laughs> or ca ca cash um, basket. I don't know what, what is the words? Uh, I don't know, reserves, cash a reserves. Pile cash, a, a pile of cash. A pile of cash, uh, a bag of gold. <laughs> exactly, a pot of gold under the rainbow. Anyway, so if you have this, and, and even if you think that you're going to raise uh, funds really quickly, um, just plan for double it. So if you think you will raise funds in a year for your business or you'll become self-sufficient in a year, consider it to be two years, uh, three years. Um, so in my case, I was um, I calculated it and I thought with my savings, I could um, live very um, sort of healthy life and not worry about my finances for three years uh, and still kind of, yeah, and, 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 and don't, don't, don't freak out. Uh, when something goes wrong. I think that was important. This is number one, finance, mm -hmm. sort it out. Second, uh, family. You need to understand, like if you have kids and young kids, it it will be hard. It's not impossible. And I know successful women who actually, they were pregnant when they were building startups or raising, they, uh, they had young kids when, um, when actually they became unicorn, right? So everything is possible in life, but it should be a factor that you should consider. So in my case, I didn't have kids. So, and I had a, and the third one, supportive partner. By partner, I mean, whoever it is. It, it might be your girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband. It might be your family. Uh, whoever you're close to, whoever you consider partner in life, it might be multiple partners, but if you have the safety network around you, that really helps. And the third, you need to have a burning idea, um, something that um, stops you from sleeping. When you think, okay, I really need to give it a try. I want to make um, the world a better place. So in my case, um, I was very passionate about sustainability and my co-founder as well. And together we decided to create a um, kind of, it's a technology platform, a marketplace um, for sustainable fashion, sort of an Amazon. That's amazing. So when you felt then all those four things, I think it's been four. I know it's like financial, then it's the backing up the partner, then considering if you do have a family, so maybe some, some people who are depending on you. And the fourth thing, it needs to be really an idea that gets you out of bed in the morning. You really want to support it and or solve it. When those four things were falling in place, that's when you said, okay, that's this is it. That's the right time. Exactly. You just summed it up really nicely. Cool. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing your story. 
is that is there anything else coming to your story or can I ask my questions yes <laughs> please ask your burning questions oh, yay yeah so I mean you've been working for how long on the startup now help me out has it been two years three years now two years yeah two years already but time is flying so two years is a quite a long time at least from the way I look at life and um, it's, I know some other people who might work right now in corporations who have been for five or 15 years with the same company for you two years is nothing um, let, let me talk about this way when you work in the tech startup world or tech world altogether two years it can be very long <laughs> because it's developing so quickly um, yeah. so in those two years what do you feel was something of a surprise because you mentioned you did some due diligence quite a bit I know uh, from our personal conversations as well but was there something that you hadn't taken into account and you would have had love to know before Oh, a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> I would say like first and foremost, the co-founder. Co-founder is a key and you need to make sure that you share the same balance, which we did, but also um, make sure that you're on the same page um, in terms of your life situation. Um, I think that, that there are two things. Value is important, right? You, you know where you stand. You both uh, believe in this and you're, you, you, will, you will die for this idea, which is great. But second, are you like, is your co-founder just uh, fresh out of university? And uh, is, is he like, or she, are they like just taking a huge bank loan, uh, got a mortgage and some like somehow they're not, probably they're not going to last long in a startup. There might be a lot of different factors in their life. Are they married? Are they single? So this due diligence should be done before, for sure. Sounds like to me that the four points that are relevant for you in order to say this is the right time should also be um, sorted out for your co-founder then, isn't it? I didn't include it in the first part because, yes, of course, but also because some people are solo founders, right? Mm -hmm. That's why obviously finding a right co-founder is very important. But again, a lot of people just go for it alone. So that's Thinking why about it. Why did you not go for it alone? I don't want to, I'm not that part of a uh, type of person. And also I need a sounding board. This is super important for me. So sounding board. That's why no, I like our conversations with you because we help each other. So and true. Sometimes when I have a second person, ideally I would actually have three co-founders because I, even if two people agree and, and this might sway each other and both go in the wrong direction, there will be this third person who would say, guys, stop, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah, perfect. The more and people you have actually better because obviously then it, it becomes overcrowded. So probably three is an optimal number, but two mm -hmm. is a good number. When you're alone, you can make a lot of mistakes without anyone noticing. And yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to. And I, it sounds like to me also when I look at the different tech startups, generally speaking, there are specific functions that just need to have a, a founding partner, um, be it like the engineering and the tech side, then one who knows maybe the market very well and then... Uh, potentially also include sales and marketing altogether. And the third person might be a mixture of both or something like this. But I think there's always somebody who has to have an insight into how to win customers and the other one of how to build the technology, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And also, I don't know if you've seen um, uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, definitely recommend it to everyone. Um, it's, it's a comedy. It's a sitcom, American sitcom. But I definitely recommend everyone who's, who starts working on the idea. Um, so I would say why, why three is an optimal number. Two is also optimal potentially, but they should share the three skills. So 
first one should be a hustler. This is usually a salesperson, but they also, they would talk to investors. They would make the teamwork. They usually become a CEO. Hustlers become CEOs. One is a techie guy or girl who are like products, vision. Um, it's all about technology. And the third one is an operations person. They will make sure that the processes and structures in place, the company runs smoothly. They will organize recruiting and all, all legal and all that stuff. Ideally, but um, obviously, like it's important before you start with your co-founder, potential co-founder, clarify which of these three roles you can share if there are two of you, for example. Fair enough. And sometimes it could be overlapping uh, skill sets as well, you know, which might help if one of you wants to actually take some time off, <laughs> if that's even possible. So is it actually possible to take some time off when you start a business? That's a very tough question. Um, yes and no. It does give you a lot of flexibility. And this is also talking to my founder, founder's friends who are like, they always were saying, oh, it's so great. I'm, I'm, I have my own company now, so I can go to the gym of peak and there are no people or, you know, use all these benefits. I can work from anywhere in the world, which is, uh, it's, it's, it's a positive thing. The negative though, you would never have a real holiday. I can experience that the last two years. I never could completely relax. So even on holiday, being out at a most romantic location in Croatia with my partner, I was still checking the emails and answering customers and, and talking to my team. Yeah. Wow. And I I, uh, I thought that you managed at least over the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, to switch off and leave the phone Not by completely. the side. Mm, no, we started working with like Australia, US orders were coming all the time. People we hired, they were sitting in China, in uh, Indonesia. So sometimes in China, I don't know, they work all on Saturdays. So I was getting all these messages. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> it all depends, obviously depends on the culture you instill. But at the beginning, there is, there is kind of a lot going on. Yeah, absolutely. You be ready for this. Be ready that you can be completely. Sometimes during romantic dinner, you should get out and go on a call. So that you should be prepared for. Is that something that you feel is could have been avoided? So has there ever been the situation where I said, okay, if I don't take the call, it's actually also fine? Not in the beginning. I wouldn't say so. Because you, you really care about it. It's your baby. It's your priority, right? Mm -hmm. And you and your co-founder are key people. If you're not around to take this responsibility, um, nothing going to happen. You're literally the only people who drive it forward. Yeah. So it sounds like to me, if it's a tech startup and you are the founders, for you, there's no time off and you will not literally want to take time off because, you know, it's your baby. It takes gets you out of bed and it's, you know, so much. What is the problem that you really want to solve? Um, but I also assume that's a different topic probably. Um, you would not necessarily ask this from your, your employees at the same time because it's not their baby, but they need to do their job, right? Exactly. But always think about starting a company as like being a parent in a way. Yeah. Kids are your priority, right? So you will prioritize everything else. It doesn't mean you can't have free time anymore. You can, absolutely. But when something comes up and it doesn't come all the time, right? It doesn't come up all the time. So uh, you'll have to prioritize them. You have oh, okay. to prioritize your company or your kids. 
or your kids or if you have both that's to your point number two i think if you have kids that's probably more challenging which one to prioritize in that right moment kids are your baby company <laughs> great um you mentioned also already a couple of advantages like um, it's your own schedule it's it's uh, you can work remotely because that's how you set it up um, and also about the dis disadvantages but let's talk about a little bit about um positive surprises is there something that you didn't count on but something happened and you thought oh wow that's an that's something i didn't even think about but it's something that's extremely positive hmm um well something extremely positive i, th I think it's um the learning curve right this is number one that you learning so much every day so i recommend if you're thinking about um founding um a startup The key here to understand you should be comfortable with wearing different hats or multiple hats on the same day. So you can just, uh, you, you can wear your recruiting hat and then your sales hat uh, or a product hat and then focus on that. So you should be, you shouldn't multitask, but you should focus um, on all these areas. So for me, it's positive because I learned so much about legal, um, how to set up a company, Um, how to deal with like distributed product teams uh, a lot a lot of that yeah oh yeah i remember in the beginning especially the the legal conversations and the contracts and when you have a new company or supplier from different uh, countries again coming in then it needs some updating again and there's not the single the, the one how do you say this the one document that's uh, valid for everyone right and it's a uh, long documents as well and i remember you looking through it's like oh my god <laughs> i don't like legal to be fair but yeah. but it was like very very useful so if you have this mindset mindset that you want to learn all these different functions um go for it but you Great. should prepare it and there's another thing which is very important at the beginning you should share the roles with your co-founding team so you need to be 100 sure what they're working on because in case some of them disappear they might uh, be sick for a week so you need to step in. So that's, and they should know everything you're working on. So even if they're bad at sales, they should still understand and they can cover for you. Okay. So it sounds about like making sure that everything is documented and there's 100% yeah. transparency across everything. This is kind of, but you asked me about positive surprise. Mm -hmm. This is something like the, yeah. the must in place. But for me, yeah, positive surprise is working on multiple things. And uh, The second one, I think um, building our first team, that was my biggest highlight. Our team was quite international. So we had people from around seven or eight countries, uh, which is unusual. Only three of us were in London and the rest were all, all, all over the world. Plus it was split almost equally between um, um, women and men. Wow. And I don't know how we uh, achieved that. And even we had a representation from minorities, which was amazing. And I think like my, my, my highlights um, was our first um, all hands meeting. Uh -huh. Imagine having all hands uh, with eight people and all of them represent different functions that so they have sales, they have product, uh, they have uh, marketing and uh, IT. <laughs> that, that was really great and customer. Is that kind of like a moment where I realized, uh, wow, I'm really a founder now? Yeah, I think so. But everybody kind of very, everybody's pretty new and junior, obviously, for the uh, roles, which is quite normal for the startup to hire, and they're all excited, and it kind of gives you a lot of energy as well. Mm -hmm. 
that's amazing and talking and talking about the figuring out or realizing well now i'm a founder as well and with all the work that you have done before i'm sure you have done a lot of reading in terms of what makes a good founder um what should i prepare for etc cetera, etc cetera. um so what 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 have you gone through in terms of like maybe pros and cons etc when it comes to like foundership so to speak Okay, well, I, I think the biggest one, and this is kind of known all over industry, you should be a risk taker. Being a risk taker is a key. Uh, it's necessary in, in to, 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 become a, to become a founder. And this is number one. The second thing is um, uh, you should be well used to roller coasters. Roller coasters. I, mean, <laughs> I don't mean real roller coasters, but startup as a venture is a roller coaster. Meaning like sometimes you, you can have like a founder's high, if I can refer to it, and founder's sure. low. Yeah. So one week goes extremely well and one week goes extremely bad. And you should be um, well adjusted to it because some people might react on it. If you don't like that, if you actually prefer that everything goes like like average flat, don't go for founding, founder's role. That maybe don't even go for a startup from my experience oh, yeah, anyways. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> for as much as we think about predictability, there that's uh there is no real predictability in a startup world. Um coming to your planning fallacy podcast from from the last time as well, it's like we can't plan, but then what is what's this word again? Life is what's happening when you're planning or something like this, right? Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you should be, yeah, you should be very flexible. You know, like everything you plan will change tomorrow because then something, something else happens. So this is really important. The second one, you should be a go-getter. Um, so all these obstacles shouldn't stop you. So whatever happens, you treat obstacle as an obstacle, not something that blocks you and you're you, you, you kind of, oh my God, you, you put your hands down. I was like, I don't know what to do. You just need to keep doing. The other thing is should be very um, goal-oriented person. This is key because even if the goals are very crude, badly set up and not really relevant, it doesn't matter if you have a goal, but you need to achieve. And once sort of kind of box ticking, sorry, box ticking, box ticking, yes, box ticking from our previous uh, podcast. But yeah, is, this is really important for the founders. Um, the other things, um, but also recommended, you should be surrounded by a network of like-minded people. So make sure, if wherever you're based, wherever you're located. You will find these meetups for founders, right? And especially, it's critical for you to be connected to other founders and talk to them regularly. So we're lucky in London because there are a lot of them. And, yeah, and if yeah. just specific advice, I can actually give you all of them. I probably same in in Cologne, I guess. We we are actually funnily enough next to Berlin. Um, the the startup hub. I mean, just so that I can tell it to all the German listeners, by the way. So if you, it's not necessarily Berlin, it's not necessarily Hamburg. There's a lot of things happening in Cologne too. <laughs> That's great to know. No, but this is really important because um, when you talk to others, you realize that they're on the same journey. Yeah. They might be in a completely different industry, but they're working on. Uh, they have the same problems. Is there a specific now that I know we're kind of like running out of time, yeah. but since you mentioned it, um, maybe you have one or other words to say about it. Is there a specific journey that um, founders get, uh, like have to go through in the first one or two years that always more or less looks the same, has the same dips and, and struggles? It's the same thing, right? You need to find your uh, product market fits. 
right? You need to build this MVP, minimal viable product, uh, bring it to the market, interview customers, uh, mm -hmm. make sure you have this first traction. And this is pretty much the same for every single company. Great. Awesome. So that's on the point where we say, okay, everyone has to get to the product market first and that's kind of like phase number one. And then you can uh, reach out to your founders network or find new uh, guys and girls who are working on this one. And then uh, you can exchange ideas. And I suppose you have a massive sounding board then. Exactly. But you, you, yeah, you need to reach out to them even before start, uh, like you start building anything. So it's just kind of ask um, what worked for them, what didn't work. But again, during these two years, um, you need to include all the critical functions like marketing, sales, product, engineering, working together towards the same goal to get this market traction. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. And probably actually maybe a question I want to ask you, Steph. Sure. So, you know, like I, I, I was reading a lot about like founders, what are common things uh, among different founders. And there was a research done by Mosaic Ventures recently, mostly focusing in Europe. They um, were specifically targeting the founders of very successful companies, European unicorns. They're not so many, but there are some. And what do you think was the most common thing among all these very successful people? Are we talking about characteristics um, of the founder's personality? Not actually personality, but maybe background. A background, okay. Yeah. Of unicorns. You know, part of me really wants to say they all had still kind of like a, a childish way of looking at life because that makes them very opportunistic. But if you think about experience, I probably think I my, honestly, I don't know, but I would expect that all of them somewhat Oh, that's hard. I cannot decide. But I think, okay, I go for the other half. I think that all of those founders have had experience in working for multiple different either industries or departments. So they have, they brought kind of like a diverse set of experience with them would be my guess. I might okay. be completely wrong. It's an interesting. No, there are definitely some, and that's um, that, that, that's true. But actually, I, I was afraid you would say they're all men. <laughs> what? No, that would be quite, sort of like a characteristic. But no, absolutely not. No, no. I mean, maybe I would actually maybe. say from probably <laughs> i was more because i was thinking we talk about experience instead of experience because being a man okay that has some sort of experience now but i was more thinking about what could help unicorn finders is because they might have found synergies quicker because they have had experience in different industries uh, teams and so on and maybe have found a, a larger set of potential problems um that they want to solve but then they can connect the dots as well so that's probably what i have would have thought you have um, a very good way of thinking and you're almost right um so before I, I give you the right answer i just say like of what they were evaluating so they first looked at the top universities and they actually checked how many of them went to um top universities that did mbas literally five percent or like three percent almost no one then they looked how many of them worked for big companies like uh, google facebook apple literally like five percent same like very low number of people actually does that um then they they looked at um they i don't know how rich they were like what family they came from so it was irrelevant you know what was the most oh, interesting relevant? all right okay <laughs> they they founded companies before <laughs> ah okay but what made them found found the first company well how did they get started it seems exactly. like so basically, the, the conclusion is you need to try 
and try and try. And that gives you the real life experience, gave them way more exposure to the problems than university or big company or other startups. There it is again to all the people and hiring managers who say you've got to have an MBA and you have to have thousands of studies done. Experience takes over studies. Absolutely. But it's, we're talking about startup. We, we, we're talking about founding, right? It's very right, that's true. It's very I'm just making it a little bit bigger because I honestly think it's more of a hypothesis of mine at this point, of course. But although I have an MBA and different studies at this point, I don't think it's necessary for everything. If without practical experience, I've always done internships and these kind of things. Without practical experience, it would not be worth the same thing. So, but that's so interesting. So it's not even the financial background. Um, it's not even um, having studied in a particular thing, not working for a big corporation, but it's just like making a choice. If I put it in my words, making a choice, being okay with failing and repeating it again and exactly. not giving up ever. And it's actually interesting because some of them were successful before and people who were successful before, for them, they became risk averse because right, mm -hmm. they already found that a company, they sold it, they became super risk averse now. They know they have this template and they had, they know, know how to do that. But people who failed before, they're not afraid of failing anymore. And uh, they actually, okay, well, if I decide to do the second one, I already, I learned my mistakes. I know what I can do different. So it sounds like to me, there's nothing really to lose if you want to, if you decide to go for a tech startup uh, as a founder, because if you, if you fail, then you learn something exactly. and then you become more risk averse. If you succeeded, the better. Um, I would say, you, I right? would say that's, uh, that's one of the main conclusion. And also, can I add something that really surprised me in that study? That um, a lot of founders, majority um, they had no experience in the industry where they said they founded their startup. Oh, which is okay. very interesting. It just shows you that motivation to solve specific problem, um, it it serves you way better than years of experience. Interesting. It also makes me wonder if you are very experienced in a specific industry, might not necessarily be a good thing because you might be blindsided based on your previous experience. Correct. But you will be really good, like the first CTO for the company or the first senior. That's when you hire these people who are very mm -hmm. expensive, but they have years of experience in the industry. That's super fascinating. Uh, thanks so much. And I hope for the for the, our listeners, it has been as interesting as it has been for me. If not, well, to bet I really enjoyed this podcast so far. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, probably should we leave our listeners with a kind of uh, the most important thing? It's better uh, try and fail than never try. It's better to try and fail than to never try. And it sounds like the second part is if you decide to become a founder, keeping the four topics in mind in the beginning, which were, which ones again? Finance, uh, family, uh, the idea, burning idea that you want to, to solve. And yeah. Um, or problem that you want to solve and the last one is obviously founding team unless Definitely. you're a solo founder Definitely, unless you want to do solo founding that's amazing cool and then um, literally just getting started and being okay with being okay with failing but then you because you fail on a constant basis checking in with your founding uh, network all the time because you're never alone with what you're doing right yeah absolutely haven't sounding board Oh, thank you so much, Maria. Is there anything else that you want to add for our listeners today? 
No, I think that's uh, enough. We can probably do deviate from this topic and do more podcasts uh, yeah. uh, on the founding. But yeah, I think this is kind of uh, a te- <laughs> look at it as a as a taster. Kind of like an in an intro or how it's like a, not a teaser but at the movies they always say it's like the i've forgotten the name of it never mind but anyways totally agree with you um prequel uh, it's a prequel prequel exactly and there's uh, there's different uh, topics for example i would be dying to know such as things how does a day look like in the start startup founders uh, life you know um what are what's the what's the things you spend most of your time with and so on and so forth like i have so many more questions but because we're trying really to keep the each podcast episode relatively short and look only at specific sub questions of bigger topics um we i suppose cut it here at this point right yes great thank you so much guys for listening so stay happy and healthy bye bye